Welcome to The War. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, what exactly went on in counterintelligence uh, was something that a pretty tight lid was kept on, but it didn't stop the imagination of uh, Hollywood uh, geniuses from coming up with uh, exciting and interesting plots with heroes uh, fighting the Axis all over the world. And this is the type of program we're bringing you today. With today's uh, episode, uh, it's an ep another Screen Guild theater program. This one is called Across the Pacific. Uh, it's, it's boasts a very strong cast, and uh, it reunites three of the four principal cast members from the hit The Maltese Falcon including Mary Astor, Sidney Greenstreet, and the star Humphrey Bogart. And uh, this is definitely going to be a pretty interesting program. It first appeared on the Lady Astor Screen Guild Theater on January 25th, 1943. So here now is Across the Pacific. <laughs> Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild play tonight, Across the Pacific. The starring players... This is Humphrey Bogart. This is Mary Astor. This is Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight, Lady Esther welcomes you to a suspenseful program of espionage and counter-espionage. Across the Pacific, starring Humphrey Bogart as Captain Rick Leland, a United States Army intelligence officer, Mary Esther as Alberta Marlowe, and Sidney Greenstreet as Dr. Lawrence, a spy in the employ of the Japanese government. Sure that Dr. Lorenz is the head of this Jap firing, General Rogers? Yes, Captain Leland. Then why don't you just arrest him? Well, that wouldn't solve the problem, Captain. We must know what Dr. Lorenz is planning. No, Captain, I'm afraid you're going to have to suffer the disgrace of a dishonorable discharge if we're going to trap Dr. Lorenz. Very well, sir. Of course, you know what you're letting yourself in for. No one but you and I will know that the evidence placed against you at the court-martial will be faked. No one, sir? Well, Colonel Hart in New York and Smith, our... Operative in Panama will know, but your fellow officers won't. Well, they're not going to think very much of me, are they? Almost certainly not. But the more authentic we can make your disgrace appear, the better your chance of catching Lorenz. Do you want to withdraw from the operation? I guess I can take it, sir. Start the court-martial. Captain Leland, the court by secret written ballot finds you guilty as charged and sends you to be dismissed from the service of the Army of the United States.
was the situation Captain Rick Leland faced, forced to sacrifice everything he had gained during ten years of splendid service, suffer the bitter enmity of his fellow officers, on the chance that he might catch Dr. Lorenz. Uh, pardon me, sir. Yes, Captain Leland? Well, General Rogers knew what he was doing. Immediately after my court-martial, Dr. Lorenz showed the interest in me that General Rogers had anticipated. For weeks, our operatives have been trying to book passage out of Halifax on the Genoa Maru, a Jap freighter carrying Dr. Lorenz to the Orient. And for weeks, they'd been getting turned down. But they took me, a disgraced ex-coast artillery officer, aboard right away. That's where I met Alberta Marlowe, just as the Genoa Maru left her dock. Now, don't look now, baby, but there's a man following you. What? How are you? Aren't we being just a little premature? Oh, I don't know. On a boat carrying only four passengers, we're going to know each other eventually. Why not now? That's reasonable. I'm Alberta Marlowe. And I'm Rick Leland. Would you mind stepping into the light so I can see your face? Ah, you better pinch me. I don't think I know you well enough for that yet. A pretty girl on a boat with no college boys, no handsome officers, no eligible men of any description. Wonderful. Have you traveled a lot, Mr. Leland? Some. But never in such beautiful company. Good night, Mr. Leland. No, don't go. Let's sit in the salon and talk. I'm sorry. I hope I'll see you again. Yes, yes. I, I imagine you will. On a boat this size, we may run into each other. That wasn't the best start a romance ever had. Well, I had to file Alberta's attractions away for future reference and concentrate on Dr. Lorenz. The doc was concentrating on me, too. And the night before we were due to dock in New York, he tried to loosen up my tongue by getting me drunk. Certain remarks you dropped on deck this morning, Mr. Leland. I gather you're quite well informed in matters pertaining to the United States Navy. Yeah, I, I know a little bit about it. Were you perhaps in the Navy? Nope. Coast Artillery, Army. Oh, how interesting. Were you stationed in Panama? Part of the time. I hope you don't think I'm too inquisitive. Not at all. You're furnishing the whiskey. It's hardly an excuse for asking a man his history. I haven't got any history. I was in the Army. I got kicked out. I went to Canada and tried to join their Army, but they wouldn't have me. Can't understand that. Simple enough. They don't want men kicked out of another army. What do you plan to do now? Well, I... I still have some friends in the canal zone, I... I think. Maybe I can pick up a few bucks. Then when I get to the Orient, I'll hire out to whoever will pay for my services. It's very interesting, Mr. Leland. <laughs> I can't tell you how I sympathize. Thanks, Doc. Do you intend to stay aboard the General Maru when we dock in New York tomorrow? Or do you perhaps have friends there, Mr. Leland? Well, I, I doubt if I have any friends left, but I'm going to give at least one of them a chance to kick me out of his office. Well, it's good to see you, Captain Leland. Thank you, sir. Well, how are you and the genial Dr. Lorenz making out? I think he's rising to the bait, Colonel. Well, don't be too sure of anything. Lorenz is no chump, or he wouldn't have lasted so long with the Japanese. Oh, he isn't exactly naive. I had to shake a guy getting here. Started to trail me right from the Genoa Maru. Now, be very careful, Captain Leland. You're entirely surrounded by enemies every second you're on that boat. Yes, sir. Oh, incidentally, there's a, a girl aboard the Genoa Maru. Oh, yes. Alberta Marlowe. 
Yes, we're investigating her. She makes an effort to convince everyone that she comes from Medicine Hat. As a matter of fact, she owns an exclusive women's wear shop right here in New York. Last year, she made eight trips to Europe. Well, they might have been buying trips for her shop. Of course. Then again, they might not. If she's on the level, how could she get aboard the Genoa Maroon? Yes, that's true. What's Miss Marlowe like, Captain Leland? Well, uh, you remember the girl you dreamed about marrying when you were 16? Well, this is her in the flesh. I understand. Well, Captain, the General Maru will be sailing shortly. You'd better get back to your ship and Dr. Lorenz and the girl I was going to marry when I was 16. Yes, sir. Well, Alberta, what do you think of your trip on the Genoa Maru? It's some experience for a girl from Medicine Hat, Rick. <laughs> Is that a gag, or do you really come from a place called Medicine Hat? What's wrong with Medicine Hat, except that it's cold in winter, hot in summer, and nothing ever happens there? Ah, you happen there, baby. That's good enough for me. Uh, are you, uh, by any chance a wealthy girl, I hope? Mm, no. My father was a farmer. I work in the ten-cent store in Medicine Hat. I sell peanut brittle. Well, I'm used to bad luck. I'll probably end up having the captain marry us on the boat. Oh, no, you won't. I want a church wedding. Oh. By the way, uh, you've lived in Panama. Did you happen to know a man named Morton? Dan Morton? Yes, I remember something about him. Planter, I think. Kind of eccentric. Why? Oh, some people in Halifax told me to look him up. Oh, do? He might take a fancy to you and leave you all his money. Then you and I'll be in fine shape. I'm not so obsessed with money as you are. I can get along without money. <laughs> you stick to me, baby, and you'll get a lot of practice at it. I certainly pity the woman you ever marry. Oh, I won't ever marry. You aren't married, are you, Rick? Uh-huh. You keep asking questions like that. What'll happen to our romance? What'll happen to it anyway if you don't shave? Oh, now, Alberta, you wouldn't let a little five o'clock shadow stand between us. I certainly would. Well, that isn't very tactful. Do I say anything about your dishpan hands? Morning, Miss Mother. Uh, Mr. Leela. Good morning, Good morning, Doc. I enjoy listening to you two, if you'll permit me. Oh, you can referee. Relationships between modern young Americans seem most unusual to a man of my years. You give your lovemaking a peculiar assault and battery twist. <laughs> See, same principle as a prize fighter going into training before a big fight, Doc. Well, your sparring partner is checking out now, Rick. I'll see you this afternoon. I'll see you later. Bye, Doctor. Goodbye, uh... Miss Marlowe is a very charming young woman, Mr. Leland. I'm glad to see that you're so interested in her. Oh, you are? Well, thanks, Doc. Not at all. You see, I'm very interested in you, Mr. Yes, Leland. I know. Everybody falls for my pretty brown eyes. Don't be facetious, Mr. Leland. One night you told me about your trouble in the army. I'd like to hear more about that. Why not? It's known in every army post in this hemisphere. I got in a jam with a dame. I needed dough. I had access to regimental funds. I borrowed from it. Meaning to put the money back, of course. Of course. But they found out before I could. Well, you write your own finish. Whatever that finish is to be, you'll need money. Here's $350. You can have more when you want it. Within reason, of course. Now let's hear my side of the deal. I never discuss being a traitor with a man. You'll find it easier if you don't think about that part of it. Go ahead. Very well. In a day or two, you'll talk to me about certain military installations in the vicinity of both Balboa and Cristobal. With particular reference to anti-aircraft emplacements, railway guns, and ammunition dumps. Well, that ought to be worth quite a lot. Find me quite generous. And now, having committed yourself to acting as my agent, 
I wouldn't want you to change your mind. That might turn out to be most fatally unfortunate. Yes, I get it. Now, uh, when do you want this information? When we arrive in Panama. Good day, Mr. Leland. Yeah. Good day. And so the curtain falls on Act One of Across the Pacific, starring Humphrey Bogart as Rick Leland, Mary Astor as Alberta Marlowe, and Sidney Greenstreet as Dr. Lorenz. Act Two in just a moment. Now, here's an interesting Believe It or Not from our hostess, Lady Esther. Here is a Believe It or Not, if ever there were one. Last Friday, a woman applied for membership in an organization of grandmothers. Dark, slim, and attractive. She looked more like a bride than a grandmother. Sorry, she was told. This club is for grandmothers only. But I am a grandmother, she insisted. I'm 46 years old. And she showed them a picture of her two small grandchildren. The next day, I met a member of the club at a luncheon, and she told me about the incident. She said, You'd never guess that woman's age. Why, her skin looked as smooth and fresh as a girl's. I thought she was about 30. Now, that's why she looked so young. Because of her skin. A soft, smooth, fresh-looking skin can make any woman look younger, whether she's 30, 40, or even 50 years old. And a fresher, younger-looking skin is something nearly any woman can have if she really wants it. Now, I'd like to send you a tube of Lady Esther Four-Purpose Face Cream free so that you can try it and see for yourself how much smoother, fresher, and younger it makes your skin look. Just send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard. And by return mail, you'll receive a generous tube of Lady Esther four-purpose face cream. Enough for a week's trial. Try it and see how it brings your skin four important aids to beauty. See how it cleans your skin, how it softens your skin, how it helps nature refine the pores, and how it even leaves a perfect base for powder. With the tube of Lady Esther four-purpose face cream, I will send you also the nine exciting shades of Lady Esther face powder. So be sure you don't forget to write. All the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. And now the curtain rises on the second act of Across the Pacific, starring Humphrey Bogart as Captain Rick Leland, Mary Astor as Alberta Marlowe, and Sidney Greenstreet as Dr. Lorenz. Dr. Lorenz and Alberta Marlowe joined me in checking into the Pan American Hotel, which was run by an old friend of mine, Sam Wing. The day after we landed, Alberta received a mysterious phone call and disappeared without even a goodbye. I was sitting in my room, trying to figure out how to trace her without arousing any suspicion, when Lorenz called for his military information. Good afternoon, Mr. Leland. Hello, Doc. Sit down. What's on your mind? Well, Mr. Leland, now that we're in Panama, I think it's time you began to earn your money. Okay. Where shall I begin? The Pedro Miguelox will be a good place for a starter. How many batteries are there? And what are their calibers? 
Anti-aircraft or the heavy stuff? Begin with the 16-inch guns. Well, let's see. The last time I was down here, two years ago, there were double railroad guns east and west, two twin 16-inch concrete embrasures uh, half a mile north. That setup's probably been revised by now. Revised and augmented considerably, Mr. Leland. But your information is quite correct for its time. <laughs> Testing me, eh? Yes. Now we go on to something of real value. What specific knowledge have you of the military plane patrol over the canal area? Uh, well, uh, two years ago... What happened two years ago doesn't interest me. What I want is the current schedule of patrol plane. When the flights take off, exactly what areas they cover, at what altitude they conduct their reconnaissance, and the precise time of their return. I'll pay generously. How much? Shall we say $500? Oh, why? Why, why don't we say 1500 I said I'd pay generously, not foolishly. Now, just a minute. The only place I could get that schedule is at Air Force headquarters. That's not too easy. I'll make you a deal. 1500 if you get it today. 500 if the delivery is after midnight. And why all the rush? There's no rush. Just $1,000 worth, eh? Your place is to answer questions, Mr. Leland. Not ask them. Well, as long as I couldn't ask any questions, I had to go out and look for the answers. And Alberta's room seemed like a good place to start. I began to take apart everything in the room. Mr. Leland. Huh? Did you lose something? No. I trust I haven't disturbed you, Mr. Leland. That's all right, Doc. Has your search revealed anything? Yes, yes. You'd be surprised how little girls wear these days. I was shocked. I would consider it prudent of you, Mr. Leland, if you should cease your attentions to Miss Marlowe. Yeah, why so, Doc? Your interest in her is unqualifiedly romantic, is it not, Mr. Leland? Between the two of us, Doc, I'm nuts about the lady. Well, speaking as a father, I suggest that you might find a safer romance, something more permanent. Oh, thank you, Doc. Incidentally, here's the patrol plane schedule. And here's the money, Mr. Leland. Fifteen hundred. You may count it. Just a second, Doc. I, uh, I know I said 1500 but, uh, you know, I got to look out for myself. How much more do you want? Well, let's say 500 more. You overestimate your value to me, Mr. Leland. Actually, we have on file any information you can give us. It's merely that we like to check and recheck such data. Ah, oh, come off it, Doc. You doubt me, Mr. Leland. Well, uh, will you please hand me the phone? Uh, sure. Thank you. Room clerk. This is Dr. Lorenz. I'm checking out. Have my bill ready, please. Are you leaving, Doc? Yes, Mr. Leland. And so I believe are you. What was that, Doc? Hit him, Tassico! <clears throat> Good work, Tassico. Thanks, boss. Hand me that envelope in Leland's hand, please. Thank you. Seems to be a very complete schedule. That's the 522 patrol, absolutely on time. Come, Totsuiko. We have no time to lose. Sam. Sam Wing. Uh, what's, what's the matter, you, Ricky? How you catch a head bump club? That's a present for my pal, Dr. Lorenz. Where is he? He go five hours ago. I checked out right after I was slugged. What about Miss Marlowe? Oh, she no come back. Probably made the getaway together. You like a movie, maybe. Go Japanese theater. 
What's up, Sam? You go Japanese theater. By and by, man come sit next to you. Tell you something, maybe, see? Maybe find Dr. Lulens. Maybe so, find Miss Marlowe. You got a gun, Sam? Lorenz took mine. Yeah, yeah, can do. Here. You go Japanese theater. Sit down, flunt. Things happen fast tonight. I take you to place. Where? Bountiful plantation. Why didn't I think of that? That's the place Alberta was asking me about on the boat. What, senor? That's nothing. Get me out of there fast. What are you stopping here for? It is not safe to go any further than a car, senor Leland. This is Bountiful Plantation, full of Japs. Well, where do we go from here? I go back to Cristobal. You go that way. See many Japs, airplane, landing field. Airplane? Landing field? See, si, senor. Tonight they are loading torpedoes on airplane. I think they blow up Panama Canal. Yeah, well, we've got to stop them. No, no, not me, senor. I'm poor man with many mouths to feed. You stop them. I go back to Cristobal, pronto. All right, all right. How far is their landing field? Oh, just a little way through the brush, senor. You will not have to go far until you hear them working. Okay, thanks. Well, there must be 30 of the monkeys. If I could only get over... Stick them up, Captain huh? Leland. I'll take your gun. Now turn around and walk to the plantation house. And don't get in heroic ideas. Or you'll be just another dead yank. Do you really expect to... Shut up. Keep walking. I hate to put you to all this I trouble. told you to shut up. Up the steps. Open the door. Well, if it isn't my old playmate, Dr. Lorenz. Hey, Doc, uh, tell this gorilla of yours to take his gun out of my back. What way, Mr. Leland? I'm surprised. Indeed, I am. But you're forever furnishing surprises. This'll be his last one. Who's your rough playmate, Doc? I'm sorry. Permit me to introduce Joe Totsuiko. <coughs> Joe was a student at one of your American universities. That's where I learned to be such a tough guy, Ricky. And I see you know my name. We met before? Well, in a way. I slugged you at the hotel. Uh-huh. Astounding recuperative powers you possess, Mr. Leedon. Or should I say Captain Leedon. Amazing animal energy. The average man, given the punishment you received... Would have been flat on his back for a week. Now, you see, that comes from living a clean life. Oh, uh, by the way, Doc, how did you manage to get all the parts for your plane and the torpedoes into the canal zone area? Piece by piece and bit by bit, we brought them in cases of otherwise innocent farm equipment dressed to Dan Morton, bountiful plantation. Now, I think we'd better join Miss Marlowe and her father. Alberta? Who's her father? Dan Marlowe. Alias Dan Morton. Come, Mr. Lee. Rick! Alberta. That's her father with her. Her father? Pathetic, is he not, sir? <laughs> Yet beautiful in a sense that he's a perfect representation of what has happened to your Western civilization. I'm afraid I don't get you. Look at him. Eyes without focus. Flesh without feeling. Lips with no tongue. Utter decay. Mr. Marlowe is a thief. He absconded with his own company's funds. Escaped to Panama with his loot. Fed conscience... He took the drink. (laughs) 
Mr. Marlowe's dipsomania enabled us to introduce our nationals into his employ under the guise of workers and servants. In due time, he became a prisoner on rather than master of this plantation. Rick, you aren't... And what? You aren't with them? Captain Leland is with the United States Army Intelligence, actively engaged in counter-espionage. <laughs> what are you figuring all this, Alberta? I don't. I never did. I didn't know anything about what was happening down here. Now that you've seen Father, you know why I didn't want to tell you the truth about myself. But I was going to tell you anyway this afternoon when I got a telephone call to come out here immediately. Nice timing, eh, Ricky? Very nice, Joe. I think you will discover, Captain Leland, that we have left absolutely nothing to chance. Well, maybe you're right, Doc. Seems you are. I, I take my hat off to you. Americans are famous for their sportsmanship. Time for me to leave you. Going for a walk, Doc? Yes, Captain. I must see that that plane take off on its history-making flight. A flight that will culminate in the destruction of your vaunted Panama Canal. Keep them here for a time, Joe. Then what happens, Doc? Joe has his instructions. Goodbye, Miss Marlowe. Mr. Marlowe. And particularly, Captain Leland. Well, there goes one of the most polite murderers who ever slit a throat. You uh, think you're pretty tough, don't you, Ricky? In my modest, unassuming way, I try to hold my own. Do you guys really think you're going to win this war you're starting, Joe? We're going to make an awfully good swing at it. Well, cheer up. You'll all swing together. Father, come back here. He's got a gun. Get back, Marlowe. You don't. Father, stop him, Rick. He doesn't know what he's doing. Look out, Marlowe. Stop him, Rick. Stop him. You shot him, Joe. I'll shoot him again if he doesn't stop coming. Get away from me. Get him, Rick. Oh. Got him. Give me his gun, Alberta. Fell on the floor. Come on, we've got to stop that plane before it takes off. There's a path over here to the clearing. There's the plane, Mick. Yes, I... I can see it. There's a machine gun guard right ahead of us. Rick! Shh. i got to sneak up on that machine gunner. Rick, be careful. Nothing's going to happen to me, baby. I hope. I'll get off this path and lie flat on the ground. All right. Wish me luck. Good luck, Rick. Thanks. I'll see you later. I got him, baby! Now we're in business! Are you okay? Yeah, if I can get this thing working. Higher, Rick, higher! Okay, okay! You're still firing too low, Rick! Well, get a load of this one! landing field. Why not? What that explosion did to Doc Lorenz and those Japs isn't pretty. Hey. Hey, take a look upstairs. What? Are those our patrol planes? Yep. And right on schedule, too. And they'll still be on schedule, baby, when Japan's just a little island again. And you and I are spending our honeymoon in Madison Hat. Thanks to our fine cast for their performances tonight with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players. Thank you again, Mary Esther, Humphrey Bogart, and Sidney Greenstreet. Please come back and do another play for us soon. We'd like to, Mr. Bradley. You see, the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which receives the benefits from these series of programs, is something in which we're all very interested. And I know that you, ladies and gentlemen, will be interested in what two well-known people have to say. 
Humphrey Bogart will be back in a minute or two to tell you about next week's program, which will be one of the outstanding radio events of the year. Right now, here's a message from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, our hostess, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Astor. I'd like to speak to our radio audience directly and very frankly, if I may. Are you as proud of your skin as you used to be? How long has it been since you studied yourself critically in the mirror? Can you really say that your skin is as fresh and smooth as it was, well, let's say six months ago? Or are you beginning to notice tired lines here and there, perhaps a blemish or two? Now, it may be that your skin is taking extra punishment these days. You may be outdoors more than usual, or you may be living in an area where there are many defense plants, and the air is so laden with smoke and dust that your skin gets much dirtier than usual. Now, thousands of women in defense plants and in smoke-laden defense areas have changed to Lady Esther four-purpose face cream for the care of their skin. Wouldn't you like to see for yourself, without cost, why so many women write me they're changing to Lady Esther face cream? Then don't forget the offer I made a little while ago. Send for your free tube of Lady Esther four-purpose face cream, enough for a whole week's trial. With it, you will receive all nine exciting shades of Lady Esther face powder. Just write your name and address on the back of a penny postcard and send it to Lady Esther, Chicago. I'm sorry, but Canadian wartime restrictions prevent me from extending my offer to people living in Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, Humphrey Bogart. Miss Dasser's told you that next week's presentation of the Lady Esther Screen Guild Players will be one of the season's outstanding radio events. That is true. It will be one of the really great American plays in a most successful motion picture, Dodsworth. Our stars will be Nan Sunderland, Walter Houston, and Betty Davis. <laughs> Next week, then, Lady Esther will present the Screen Guild players in Dodsworth, starring Walter Houston, Betty Davis, and Nan Sunderland. Be sure to listen. Mary Esther can soon be seen in the Metro-Golden-Mayer production, Private Miss Jones. Humphrey Bogart and Sidney Greenstreet can soon be seen in the Warner Brothers picture, Casablanca. Across the Pacific, a Warner Brothers picture was adapted for radio by Bill Hampton, and the music was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Screen Guild players are presented every Monday night at this time by Lady Esther. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, in some ways, the title can seem to be a bit of a misnomer, um, but there's an explanation for that. It's kind of interesting. It was on, uh, this is from IMD, IMDB, uh, where the, uh, the, the, this information comes from. The, the film's plot was changed from Rick foiling a Japanese plot to blow up Pearl Harbor to a Japanese plot to blow up the pa uh, Panama Canal necessitate, necessitated when the Japanese actually attacked uh, Pearl Harbor without Leland being there to stop them. The title wasn't. So the film is called Across the Pacific, though the characters never even get uh, to the, uh, p the Pacific. So, yeah, there are cases, and of course we saw that in the United States... Um, 
after September 11th, there, there were some, uh, movies and uh, promotional materials that had to be rewritten because of their use of the World Trade Center. And there are still some uh, programs from before uh, 9-11 which have kind of eerily uncomfortable uh, parallels to what happened on September 11th in it. But at any rate, uh, such was the case with Across the Pacific, and that's the reason for the name. Oh, and yes, uh, they also uh, had here f uh, from IMDb.com uh, that uh, officers cannot be dishonorably discharged. They can be dismissed, but enlisted men are dishonorably discharged. So this may not have been one of the better researched uh, films, but it, I think it was pretty entertaining. All right, well, that will do it for now. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, kencurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.